0: So I wanted to begin our Advent series by looking at the book of Matthew for the next three weeks. And just the beginning of that uh, section. And I wanted to, uh, to look at it together. And today, if you look at the scripture, I'd like you to open up to Matthew chapter 1. If you have a Bible, if you have an app on your phone. If you don't have the Bible on your phone or iPad, version puts out a free app. You should get it. You should definitely get it. And uh, then you have your Bible with you all the time. But I want you to look at it. And of course, when we start in the, in the book of Matthew... Um, you know, it starts with this long list of names, right? This is the genealogy or the family tree of Jesus. And if I just throw that up there like it was thrown up, you're probably thinking, oh, my goodness, what kind of scripture reading is that, right? We tend to think that that's the part where we're like, oh, no, this is where it gets boring. Because the Bible has a lot of these lists of names and people, things They like to keep track of things. And, uh, you know, I was trying to think of who I could... Um, You know, select who I could gift to read this scripture this morning, you know? Who would I bring up that might struggle with some of these names and how do you pronounce this? And be like, what is going on? But then I remembered that a few years ago, before he passed away, uh, the great country and western music singer, Johnny Cash, he recorded the entire New Testament. And I think Johnny Cash can make anything sound beautiful and interesting. So we're going to listen to Johnny Cash read our scripture this morning. And he's going to read from the New King James Version, okay? So it uses some older language. He's going to say begot a lot. Begot, begot, begot. And what does begot mean? It simply means that you are the father of somebody or that you had somebody, okay? So that's what begot means. And we're going to listen this morning as Johnny Cash reads the scripture for us. The Gospel According to
1: Matthew. Chapter 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron. And Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Amminadab. Amminadab begot Nashon. And Nashon begot Solomon. Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her that had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon begot Rehoboam. Rehoboam begot Abijah. And Abijah begot Asa. Asa begot Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat begot Joram. And Joram begot Uzziah. Uzziah begot Jotham. Jotham begot Ahaz. And Ahaz begot Hezekiah. Hezekiah begot Manasseh. Manasseh begot Amon. And Amon begot Josiah. Josiah begot Jeconiah and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel. And Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begot Abihu. Abihu begot Eliakim. And Eliakim begot Azar. Azar begot Zadok, Zadok begot Achan, and Achan begot Elihu. Elihu begot Eleazar, Eleazar begot Mathan, and Mathan begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus who is his call Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are fourteen generations. From David until the captivity in Babylon are fourteen generations and from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ, our
0: 14th generation. Amen. Don't you just love the way he says Babylon? <laughs> Babylon, he makes it sound interesting, doesn't he? And uh, so I remember uh, years ago... Uh, when my children were smaller that I wanted to read some of the stories of the Bible to them. And I thought it would be great to start in the beginning, you know, in the book of Genesis and read some of those stories. But again in the Hebrew scriptures, in the Old Testament, you come up these lists of names. And so as I'm reading to them when they're young, I get to this list of names and I think, oh no, I don't know how this is going to work because I don't sound like Johnny Cash. And I don't know what it's going to be. But so I began to read some of the names. And I remember, I don't know how many of them were sitting with me. I read some of the names and then I, and then I stopped and said, you know, it just goes on like this with a bunch of names. And They were like, no dad, don't stop. I'm like, seriously? They thought the names were really interesting. They thought some were funny. They thought some were different. They thought they were interesting. I'm like, wow. And I realized that we do have a fascination with names, don't we? I mean, we think about names a lot, especially when you're a kid, you're learning your name and there's a reason why you were named your name, right? Our name sometimes has a meaning that says something about us perhaps or about what our parents were thinking at the time. It also speaks of our heritage, our name. It talks about where we come from. So the name is very important and, and I realize that we're interested in those names, right? Like even watching this, where there's some names that, that just brought a smile to your face, you know? Like Perez, I'm like Perez, man. That's just a cool name. And, and I wonder why people, Use some of these names and not other names, you know? Why are there a bunch of Jessies in this world and so few obits? You know, I just want to know that. But what about a name like Ram? Wouldn't you love to have a name like Ram? Like what is your name? My name is Ram. Yes, my name is Ram. Yeah, that would say something about you, right? And it's funny how some of these names we use, right? They sound very common. And other names are, are different to us. That they sound strange, they sound exotic. But each of these names was important because they, they're important to the identity of that person, right? And to the heritage from which they come. Amen? So today we're going to talk about that. And if we begin in the beginning, you notice it says this is the genealogy of Jesus. That word means this is the origins of Jesus. It's the same word we get Genesis from, the beginnings. So when the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament began in the book of Genesis... It talked about the beginnings of the world. So when Matthew opens up his gospel in the New Testament, Matthew was talking about the beginnings, the origin, the family tree of Jesus, the Christ, who is the son of David, who is the son of Abraham. And so we wanna look first at Jesus' name, and then we're gonna look at Jesus' heritage because that tells us important things about who Jesus is and what he came to do. So we're gonna switch over, if we can switch over to the, the PowerPoint if it's not there, I'll resend it to you. Hallelujah. do you love technology? Well, I'm going to hope that it comes up. And if it doesn't, then I'll take another pause. So we look at the name Jesus, first of all. Okay, so Jesus was a common name at that time. Jesus is a form of Joshua in the Hebrew. And Joshua means that Yahweh is salvation. So Yahweh was the name of God that the Hebrews were, that was revealed to them as the name of the one true living God. So Joshua means Yahweh is salvation. So a nickname of Joshua, right? Because you know, even from the beginning of time, we like to nickname people. Jesus was a nickname of Joshua, a little bit shortened version, that just meant Yahweh saves. So it means that God saves, and that's his name. So that's why we say, right, that Jesus is our Savior, because even his name means God saves. His name tells us something about who he is. How many of you know the meaning of your name? Does anybody know the meaning of your name? Yes. Does anybody yes. know the meaning of your name? Yes, Mary, what does your name mean? Better. Your name means better. Yep. Wow, are you a bitter person? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe, sometimes. But who else knows <laughs> the meaning of their name? What's the meaning of your name, Melissa? Truthful. 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 Hmm. No, that's not right. That's not, right. Yeah. not okay. What's the meaning of your name? It's pretty. means pretty. Yes. Amen. We all say amen. <laughs> but you know, our name also tells us uh, sometimes we're named after somebody in our family, right? It tells us about our heritage. Do you want me to resend it? Yeah, I'll resend it. About your heritage. How many of you know um, why were you named after somebody? Was anybody named after somebody? Yeah? Yeah? Um, Angel, who were you named after? Your grandfather, okay? So you have the same name as your grandfather that connects you, right, to your heritage. Who else? Who else knows that they were named after someone? Kenny, who are you? Your dad? So you are named after your dad. Was your dad's name Kenny? And I named my son Kenny. And you named your son Kenny, right? Sometimes we have um, uh, names that are middle names, right? Names that, that relate to our family. Sometimes we have a bunch of names, right? I know some people, they got like five or six, you know, government names because it's connecting them to their heritage. Hector, who are you named after? Your uncle, okay? And so somehow that connects us, right? And sometimes we like that connection, right? And sometimes maybe, you know, we're not so sure about that connection, right? Because uh, about that. So let me just send this back to uh, the, the booth again real quick. And hopefully it'll come up on the screen for you. All right? Okay. All right, so um, Jesus, you know, is set in his heritage as well. He's set in, in a line of people that are significant to who he is and to, and to his identity, right? So we're going to talk about his family, and, and, and in a way, we're also going to talk about our family. And we're going to talk about what it means that, that we have a heritage and that we have a name. Now, the second name that you see is called Christ. And, of course, in, in some translations, it says the Messiah. So Jesus is called the Christ, okay? That's a title, that's not his last name. If you walked up to Jesus back in the day, you would not say Mr. Christ. Okay, it's a title for his name. Kind of like pastor, but they did it, you know, sometimes in reverse. You know, so it'd be like saying, calling me Phil Pastor, you know, which would be kind of weird if you up and said Phil Pastor. But that's why sometimes Jesus Christ is called Christ Jesus, because that would be like saying Pastor Phil. You know, so it's a title that, is, that indicates who he is. And of course, Christ means Messiah. The Hebrew word, which means the anointed one. That means the anointed one is the one who is anointed to be the king, right? So when there was a king elected of Israel, there would be a prophet that would come and would anoint them with oil, right? And that anointing would set them apart as the king. So it means, calling Jesus the Christ means he's our king, right? So that's why we say Jesus is our savior and he's our king, right? Or sometimes we say our Lord and savior. So the very name, Jesus Christ, tells us a lot about him that he is our savior and that he is our king. But then of course you notice, right before they get into the list of names if you're still looking on your Bibles, it talks about how he is the son of Abraham and the son of David and those are two very significant things. To say that Jesus is the son of David means that he is descended from the king. That's how he can be the Messiah because the Messiah was one who was promised to come and be the king that would rule on David's throne forever. The one who would save Israel from all of their enemies. The one who would come and make everything right so that they can live in peace, in shalom with everyone, right? And that promise, Jesus is the representation and the fulfillment of that promise of God. So it's important to say that he is the son of David. You see, Matthew is writing to the Jews. That's his audience. He wants you to know the credentials of Jesus Christ. That this isn't just any ordinary baby that is born and that we celebrate at Christmas time, but this is the one who comes from David. This is the Messiah. This is the Christ. This is the King. And then beyond that, he says that he's the son of Abraham. And he takes it all the way back to Father Abraham, who is the father of all of the Jews. You know, that is like the grandfather of Joseph that we talked about in the fall. That is the one to whom God came and said, I'm going to give you a family, and your family is going to be so large it's it's become a great nation. But catch this, the reason I'm going to make you a great nation is so that you can bless all other nations on the earth. So we see that Jesus Christ is a Jew, Did you know that Jesus Christ is a Jew? He was not a Christian. Alright? He was not anything else. He was a Jew. And that's why it's so important to understand Jewish heritage, Jewish culture, so that we understand the humanity of Jesus. We understand what kind of tribe, what kind of group, what kind of peoples he was born into so that we can understand more about who he is as a man. But then, of course, we believe that he is also the Son of God, that he is so unique. And so if you're writing this genealogy about Jesus, you have to write it in a little different way because Jesus is unique, Right? He wasn't technically the son of Joseph. He was the son of Mary because the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she conceived miraculously without having any sexual relations. And so when you trace this genealogy, it's going to have to be a little bit different because Jesus was different. But it's important to remember that he was born a Jew, that he was born into the line of David, and that he was a true son of Abraham. And therefore, Jesus fulfills the promises of God to both David and Abraham. The promise is that the, he would be a blessing to everyone on the face of the earth, and that he would be the true king that would reign forever and ever. So the next time you're walking through the mall this holiday season, and you hear the hallelujah chorus, and you hear forever and ever, hallelujah, hallelujah, you'll understand why that was written. Because Jesus Christ is the true king who lives forever and Adam. So that's a little bit about Jesus' name. But I also want to talk about his heritage a little bit, about where he comes from. Now, at this time, and you know what? This is going to come up in a second, because I realized I forgot to push a button. Hallelujah. It's one of those mornings. (laughs) I was back there going, like, I'm trying. I'm really doing my best. It's not you. It's me. That's really true. I forgot to push a button. Here it comes. All right. So we're going to let it come up in a minute. So during this time, you notice that when they did genealogies and heritage of people, it was very male-dominated, right? Because the men carried all of the importance in the society, and that's how you would trace things back through that, right? You can't? No, it's not happening? All right, don't worry about it. Thank Thank you, anyhow. So you see that you guys got your Bibles open, right? So you could actually maybe put up the genealogy again, and and maybe that'll help people out a little bit. Um, So this genealogy is a little different, right? So the, the biggest difference is that it mentions women. It mentions women in there. Now, this would have been very unusual. This is not something that you would have done. In fact, it would have been disrupting. It would have been disconcerting. It would have caught people off guard that you wouldn't even bother to mention women in a genealogy, you know, that traces someone because they weren't valued. You know, they weren't they weren't treated in a certain way. You only focused on the men. So the fact that Matthew mentions not a woman, but five different women throughout the course of this has great significance. So when you're looking for significance in the Bible, sometimes you got to look at what's different, right? You got to look at what sticks out, what was unexpected, and focus on that because that carries some of the power, right? So you understand that when you say something that's expected, everybody would say yes, yes, they'd not agree. But when you say something that's unexpected, people would have perked their ears up. They would have taken notice. And so as Matthew is recording this genealogy in a format that people would have memorized, hallelujah, how many young people can say, you're glad you don't have to memorize what we just read this morning, amen? Is anybody glad for that? You're glad you don't have to memorize that? But the kids would memorize this as a way of understanding their family and their heritage. He structured it in such a way, but he included women. He included women. And not just any kind of women, but he included women that had some kind of story about them that I want to get into for just a moment. So the first woman that he mentions is Tamar. So let's go back one slide. And you'll see that the first woman that's mentioned is Tamar. We go back one slide real quick. There you go. So you see that Judah, that was Joseph's brother, right? Whose father was Jacob, which is Israel and that he is the father of twins. So that's interesting The twins are mentioned. And it says whose mother was Tamar. Tamar, now we know about Tamar from Genesis. She had a very interesting story. She was actually Judah's daughter-in-law. Okay, this was not a very nice situation that she found herself in. So she had married one of Judah's sons, okay? But that son died. And it was their custom that if that happened, that you would offer one of your younger brothers to marry that widow so that she would be provided for and cared for, right? But the first son that Judah offers to her, he deceived her and he didn't really fulfill his vow to her at all. So then there was another son that was supposed to be given to her and Judah just didn't do it. So what Tamar did was she took matters into her own hands a little bit and she disguised herself as a prostitute and she slept with her father-in-law. And that's where those two twins, that's where... um, Perez and Zerah come from. Wow, that's someone that you think, that's kind of an interesting story, isn't it? How many of you know that sometimes in our family history we have some stories, right? How many of you know that sometimes we're the story, amen? Don't raise your hand on that, but sometimes we have stories in our family history, right? So he includes this woman, right, that was in this difficult situation that she was denied her rights by the deceitfulness of men and she slept with her father-in-law. Not a woman that would be considered very good character, but her name. Gets honored and gets prominence in the genealogy of Jesus Christ the Messiah, the Son of God, our Savior and King. The second woman that's mentioned is Rahab, right? And how many of you know who Rahab is? Rahab is like, you know, uh, you know, David, David's great-great-great-something grandmother, right? Rahab was also a prostitute. Like, she didn't pretend to be a prostitute. She was a prostitute. And she was living in the city of Jericho when Je- Joshua and Caleb came in to spy it out for the Israelites. And she decided to hide them and protect them. And when the Israelites came to destroy the city, her and her family was saved. And apparently, she. Lived left behind the life she was in and decided to marry into the Jewish culture and move into what becomes the family tree and family line of Jesus Christ himself. I mean, King David, first of all, which is a great descendant to have, but then Jesus Christ himself because of her decision. She made a choice to enter into the family. Now, both Tamar and Rahab, you know, they're they're people who aren't Jews. They're people who come from other countries. And so that brings us to the next woman that's mentioned. And that's Ruth, right? And Ruth was someone who wasn't Jewish. She was from another culture, from another people, from another nation. And not only that, it was a nation, the Moabites, that the Jews didn't like. I mean, there was some bad blood between these two groups of people, all right? And there was even restrictions in the Jewish law that these kind of people could not enter into the heritage and the culture of the Jews. But when her husband died, she decided to go with her mother-in-law, Naomi, who was Jewish. And she made a choice that she was going to embrace a new group of people. And she was so bold in her choice. And you've got to read this closely. I don't have time to go into it. She used her sexuality to attract this man and eventually marry him. I mean, and this is a woman who was from a different culture, from a different background. Remember, Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience, trying to stir up that pride, that Jewish pride. But he's including women who have questionable character. And in Ruth, a woman who comes from a different culture, different language, different background. And then, of course, the next woman that's mentioned, you don't know, even care her me. Wow. We don't even get her name, but we know her name, don't we? It was Bathsheba, one of the most famous stories of adultery in the entire world. For Bathsheba had been Uriah's wife, but she committed adultery with King David. And when it was found out she was pregnant, King David had her husband murdered and then took her as his wife. Why does Matthew say whose mother had been Uriah's wife? I think two reasons. He wanted to remind us that her situation was not right. That there was an injustice that had been done. That she wasn't just someone that David married legally or morally, but she was someone that had entered in through sin and through disobedience and through a very difficult situation. Second reason, I believe, is again to highlight that she's not Jewish. Uriah was a Hittite. Once again, he's saying, look, people, you've got to understand that even in the history of Jesus, there are people who don't belong. There are women who by the time Matthew was writing are just considered to be very much lower than men, who are abused, who are marginalized, who are even oppressed. And even the fifth woman that he mentions is Mary, who's done nothing wrong, who is simply young and open and willing and chosen by God. But think about this. She's going to have to explain to people that she's pregnant, even though she hasn't slept with Joseph, and that the baby isn't really from Joseph. Imagine how that was going to go over in her family imagine how that was going to go over in her day and her time there was going to be a lot of questions about her character there was going to be a lot of you know uh, animosity towards her but these women are included in the history of Jesus Amen. and not only that people that were not Jews were included In the history of Jesus. And why is that? Because Matthew is setting this whole thing up. This is the introduction. He's setting the table for what he's about to share with us about Jesus Christ. The one who's about to come into this world through Mary, right? And one of the things we know that Jesus does is that he came to restore the dignity and equality of women. He came to restore the dignity and equality of women. And we know that through the way he talked, through the way he lived, that that's what Jesus was about. Because Jesus is not just the Savior of some people. He's the Savior of all people. Amen. That it's for men and women that there is equality and dignity in Jesus Christ, in the family of God that we can enter into. Second thing is that Jesus is the Savior of the whole world, not just for the Jews. The Jews wanted the son of David. They wanted the Messiah. They wanted to be saved for themselves, for their people. But even God told Isaiah way back, he said, Isaiah, listen, I'm going to send my servant, and he's going to be the Savior of Israel, of, of, of my people, of this special group, okay? But you know what, Isaiah, this is God talking, it, it's too small of a thing, It's too small of a thing for him just to be the Savior of Israel, right? It's too small of a thing for him to just be the Savior of Israel. No, no, no. I'm going to make him the Savior of the world, of all the people, of all the nations, of everybody, from every tribe, every language. So it doesn't matter what background you come from. It doesn't matter what country you come from. It doesn't matter what culture you come from. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or a child. Jesus is your Savior. Jesus welcomes you into his family. And we understand that we can enter into the family because of the history, the precedent of this genealogy. We can enter into the family of God by making a choice. Amen. By making a choice to believe and to receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And then we enter the family of God. Your picture gets put in Jesus' family album. Amen. Amen. Your name gets written in his book. Amen. You become a part of the history and the bloodline of Jesus Christ. The Savior of the entire world. And this is something new that Jesus is doing. See, Matthew starts out. I love it. It's so dramatic. He says, look, I'm talking to you Jews and you're all about your culture, your history your people's right. And I'm going to explain to you how Jesus is a true Jew. I'm going to explain to you his heritage and his culture, but I'm about to blow your minds because I'm going to put little hints in here that I'm going to expand this out. And as I expand this out, you're going to see that Jesus is about building something new, about building a new family, the family of God. Jesus points this out later on in Matthew. He records this story. Jesus was talking to a group of people, right? And his mother and brothers showed up, you know, the people that were related to him through Mary. And they were outside trying to get a message to him. And someone told Jesus, hey, your mother and brothers are out here and they're waiting to speak with you. Jesus responded, catch this, from Matthew chapter 12. Jesus responded, who do you think my mother and brothers are? And then he stretched his hand out towards his disciples. He said, look closely. These are my mothers and brothers. Obedience is thicker than blood. Obedience is thicker than blood. The person who obeys my heavenly father's will is my brother and my sister and my mother. It's from the message version of Matthew chapter 12. He said, look, I'm calling people into my family because of their obedience. Because of Because they're willing to do my Father's will. Because I'm creating a new family. A family that's open to everyone. You can't shut out women. You can't shut out people from other cultures and other backgrounds. Amen? And these are the things that need to work on us in this day and time. If I could take just a moment and speak to that, right? Because so many times we want to hold it just for ourselves, right? We want to say this is just for us. Because somehow we're special. And not realize that Jesus is, yes, you're special because I love you, but there is more room at my table. There is more room at my table. And we need to welcome everyone. Right? We need to welcome everyone. Because if you even just look at Jesus' history, you've got immigrants. You've got people that were looked down upon because of their morality or because of their situation. You've got people that were welcomed into the family line of Jesus. And you have Jesus saying, look, you think that this is your family? Well, really, my family is everyone Amen. who's going to do the will of my Father. Everyone who's going to obey and follow me. The writer John puts it this way. When he wrote his gospel, he says, again, from John chapter 1 in the message version, he says, Jesus came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, whoever did want him, who believed he was who he claimed, and would do what he told them to do. He made to be their true selves. Their child of God's selves. To everyone that believed and received him. He gave them the right to become children of God. These are not the God begotten. Oh, the, These are the God begotten. Not the blood begotten. Not the flesh begotten. Not the sex begotten. These are the ones that are born of God. And so what I simply want to tell you today is this that we can make a decision to enter into the family of God. And that everyone is welcome. In fact, I want to say that when you make a decision to join the family of God, you not only affect your life, but you affect the legacy of even the family, your own family, and, and what happens, right? Because look at Rahab, just as an example. I mean, Rahab was living one kind of life with her family, with her background. She was living in that, but she made a decision, Right? To move into the family line of God, she made a decision to follow God, and because of that decision, it affected her family. How many of you, I want to speak to you today, all right? And especially some of you young people, I mean, look look at me, look at me, all right? Some of you, how many of you have grown up in a Christian family? Just raise your hand right now, raise it up. You grew up in a Christian family. You need to give thanks to God for that Christian family. Because of the decision of your parents or your grandparents, your life has been blessed, And you may not see it because you take it for granted. You may not see it because it's so comfortable and it's so knowledgeable. But you need to understand that you have been blessed. Because someone in your family made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And when you make that decision, it changes not only your life, but it brings a blessing. And it brings things into your family line that affect the legacy of your family. Right? And maybe some of you didn't grow up in a family home, right? You didn't grow up with parents that were Christians or that followed God, right? You can become that person. It doesn't matter what kind of family you had. It doesn't matter what background you've had. If even a prostitute who is way outside of what is acceptable can make a choice to come in, then every single one of us can make a choice to come into the family of God this morning. You can choose to believe and receive Jesus Christ. And when you do, you enter into the family of God. Your picture goes in Jesus' eyes album. Your name is written in his book and you become part of a new family. You become part of the family that God is creating. Not the family that we create just through the physical, but the family that God creates through the spiritual. And that's the family we belong to. And everyone is welcome. Every single person is welcome. That's why we say at Hartford Street Church, we love all, serve all, welcome all. Because we want you to know that there's plenty of room at the table in God's family for you. And in fact, that image carries us a long way, doesn't it? We need to act like the family. Sometimes we act too much like a family on one side. And sometimes not enough like a family on the other side, right? But if you think about what Jesus said, I want to take it deep for some of you for just a minute. These people that you're sitting with, these people that you know that are a part of this church, they are your sisters, Amen. your brothers.
1: Amen.
0: They are your children, nephews and nieces in God. They are your mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles. And Jesus, right? Every single person. them. And I want you to thank those of you who know Christ. I'm bringing you a stronger here this morning. If you know Christ and you think about it, this is the family that God has called you to, you entered into God's family, and then God says, I'm going to bring you to one expression of my family, and that's Hartford City Church. I want you to think about what is your connection and commitment to this family right here? Really? Would you really? I know families don't always operate the way they should. Right? Families don't always operate the way they should. You know that. I'm going to pray for God to just heal us and transform us in that. But when a family is operating the way it should, Should you ignore somebody? Should you not get to know someone who is your family? Someone who through the blood of Jesus has been connected to you? And we're going to look at people certain ways and we're going to carry certain attitudes and act certain ways, right? God, have mercy on us. God, help us. Heal us because maybe we did see some, some bad things in our family. Maybe we saw some rough things. Maybe we saw some tough things in our family, right? But God can heal us of that. Sometimes God heals us by giving us a brand new family. You can make a decision today to join the family of God. And that decision can affect your family for generations to come. I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. Amen. I'm going to invite Paul to come up and play. I'm actually going to invite the whole worship team to come up and play. Would the rest of you join me in prayer? I just want to give you an opportunity this morning, amen? Maybe you've never chosen to believe in Jesus Christ and to receive Him. I want to give you that opportunity today because it's your opportunity to join this family of God. It's your opportunity, like Rahab, to make a decision, no matter what you've done or where you come from, to join into the family of God. To today have your picture put in Jesus' family however. Today have your name written in God's book of life. If you need to do that this morning, I ask you just to just to bow your head and close your eyes, just try to, try to shut out what's going on and just focus on your heart rate. If you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ, I simply invite you just to pray this simple prayer. Just to say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Today I become a child of you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you are welcome to the family of God this morning. Amen. And we want to welcome you. We want to take seriously that you are coming in to the family of God. So if you prayed that prayer today, if that's you today, you needed to come into the family of God, you've chosen to believe and receive Jesus Christ today, we want to celebrate that. I'm going to ask you while everyone's praying, just raise your hand if you prayed that prayer this morning and we're going to give you a card to fill out and we're going to help you grow in your faith your family God, Does anyone, just raise your hand and just let somebody know that you have accepted Jesus Christ today and we're going to give you that card, amen Hallelujah, thank you Jesus thank you for inviting us into the family of God, thank you for welcoming us not only into your presence, but welcoming On this morning in worship, I feel that I, I want to make a, an altar call, a call for prayer, a call for healing this morning. Because I know that when we think about our family, our history, our heritage, there are some things that need to be healed. So I simply want to invite anyone as we continue to worship. to come forward right now. The altar is open.